When I worked in South Africa, I had the opportunity to um, to meet a priest. And why I'm telling you a priest story at the beginning is that our vocations committee have encouraged us priests to share our vocation story um, with parishioners at Mass. Um, I decided not to do so because I want to share the story of another priest and is a man that I have greatly admired and when I was in his presence I could easily say I was in the presence of greatness. This gentleman's name was um, uh, Archbishop Dennis Hurley. He was the Archbishop of Durban in South Africa. So when we met, there was another priest with us, we went into a restaurant. And when we walked into the restaurant, it was a trendy, very nice restaurant. And uh, the people working there were very smart and very well dressed. And they were mostly Africans, South Africans. And when this man walked in, it was like as if a spell was cast over them. They just stopped as if frozen and stared at him. They couldn't believe that Archbishop Dennis Hurley was coming into their restaurant. Such was the reverence that they had for him. That reverence came at a great price because he was one of the leading churchmen in South Africa to oppose apartheid. And for those younger people here, apartheid was a system of segregation in which four million white people were able to uh, oppress 40 million black people. Now, not all the white people were in favor of it. Uh, quite a significant number were not, but they were oppressed in it as well. And it is amazing how a very small number of people uh, with an army behind them can cause so much oppression to so many other people. It, that's something that somebody can study someday. But it is, it is quite amazing. Let me give you an idea of some of the things. First of all, um, you know the way the sirens go off here, is it on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock? But every evening at 4 o'clock, a siren would go off. And if you were a black person, you would have to skedaddle straight away out to the townships where, where they lived and they were in very poor areas. If uh, you wanted to go to school, uh, the young girls, there would be very limited subjects. Obviously, religion was one of them. I wonder who interpreted that religion or wrote that textbook. And, and then it was um, sewing. And then it was how to cook and clean a house. And that was the limit of your education. If you were a young boy, obviously you were taught religion again. And then you were taught how to be a carpenter or a plumber. And how, how to do farming. How to dig the ground and plant seeds. And that was the limit of their education. So it was a very oppressive thing, and it was sustained by a very vicious army and secret service, very intelligent, very efficient, and Dennis Hurley stood up against them. So much so that he incurred the wrath of the government, what over there would be the FBI, CIA, dark forces, that, that in that country, furious, they hated him. And they did everything they could to bring him down. Everything they could to bring him down. They tried to poison him. They tried to kill him. They tried to blow him up. They tapped his phone. 
to try to discredit him in, in ways you cannot even imagine. But he remained faithful to it. He remained faithful to what he believed in. And he was an icon for so many people at that time. Sadly, with the release of Nelson Mandela from prison and, and the handing over to democracy, um, Dennis Hurley was getting old and feeble and he was pushed aside. And that was the time then when I got to meet him. And um, he wasn't there for all the fanfare and the excitement. He was a forgotten, you know, a forgotten hero, a forgotten figure at that stage. And um, that was when I met him. But still, he had such love for the people. He had such love for his faith and for, for, for Christ in his life. He was incredibly humble and incredibly kind. He was truly a person you could be in his presence and at the end of it you felt better about yourself. He was true to his charism as a priest. And that is what is important that we remember on Mission Sunday, Good Shepherd Sunday, that everybody is given a charism by God at our baptism. And a charism is given, it is unique to each person, and it is given for the good of other people. You can see a charism at work, perhaps when people are in a profession and are willing to go the extra mile. We have all seen this in the medical community and first responders during the early stages of the pandemic and the great sacrifices that doctors and nurses and other people were, were, were willing to go to the extra mile for the good of other people. We have seen it here in our parish, in our school. Our principal, our teachers, support staff were all willing to go the extra mile so that the kids could stay in school and, and how much they benefit from that as well. We see something that is different, going the extra mile. And that is the charism that God has given to us and that is what our vocation is. I often wonder um, about how did the Archbishop Dennis sustain what he did. And I think today's gospel gives us a great insight. And it is something that we are invited into as well. In John's gospel, the sentence, I am, is mentioned 40 times. And that means it's important. I am. And it is even mentioned 20 times in letters attributed to John. So that makes it really, really important statement. And what is John trying to communicate to us? I am the good shepherd. I have laid down my life. I died, Jesus said. I died for each one of you personally so that you would have what I have in my life. And what was most precious to Jesus was a vibrant, felt experience of a relationship with his Father. It wasn't something high in the sky. It wasn't an idea. Jesus came in touch with a presence within him. Deep within his body, a presence of unconditional love and a presence of forgiveness. That, that I pray, Jesus says, that as I am in the Father 
and I am in you, that you will be in the Father as I am in the Father. And John's Gospel is full of this, over and back, over and back, that, that he wants to sustain us in, 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 any, in any situation in life that we are going through. That you may be in me as I am you. And, and it is, it is, it is a, it's a reciprocal, uh, it is a reci- uh, I'm looking for? It's a reciprocal immersion in each other. And that is what Jesus wants for us. He died for this. That we would know that there is a presence of love and a presence of forgiveness within us that we want to live out and, and he wants us to be able to experience it in a daily basis in our lives. I conclude by quoting John of the Cross and one of my favorite quotes. You who are looking for God, you are yourself that very place where God dwells. And that you, just as Jesus made his home among us, now as the risen Lord, he wants to make his home within us so that we would have the same experience of God that he had in his life and what sustained him in his life as well.